Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the ADOS Podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Norris. And I'm your host, Christian McClary. And we just wrapped up with the Derek Chauvin trial. He was found guilty of all three counts. And I have a lot to say, a lot to say about it. But first, I want to I want to see what Christian has to say. Christian, do you think we got justice by getting all three guilty counts in? I think it is a step in the right direction. Um, I'm really worried about the sentence saying in the next eight weeks, because that is going to determine a lot. So I know we're like, yeah, he, he, he's been found guilty of all three, but it's like, what is that time going to look like? Mm-hmm. Because you and I talked about it, multiple accounts that a life was taken. Mm-hmm. And to me, not, not in all cases, but in some cases, I feel, and I honestly feel, if you take a life, you lose one. Mm. And that could be to the justice system. So I don't, you know, I just don't want the sentence to be like a little slap on a wrist where it's five years. So so if we had the death penalty in the state of Minnesota, which we don't, you would have been in favor of Derek Chauvin getting the death sentence for something like this? He was convicted of murder, second degree murder. <sighs> Elijah's trying to set me up. <laughs> Your, your opinion. I, I, I know. And honestly, um, because because he, he's taken a life, I, I think, and it was clear cut. You know, it wasn't like a self-defense. Mm-hmm. I think if it was a self-defense. It was malicious, second was, degree murder. Yeah. yeah. If it was a self-defense, I wouldn't be in favor for that. Mm-hmm. But for this specific case, mm-hmm. I would say yes. Because the, in, in, in the trial, like I was doing some more uh, research about it. And it wouldn't be consecutive. Like, all the accounts he's being charged with would not be consecutive. Yeah, they're concurrent. Yeah. And oh, because, we're just going to get to that point. Yeah, Go ahead, though. And, be, and because they're concurrent, that means he could do up to this amount of years, mm-hmm. right? And because he had no prior, you know, lawsuits or allegations or anything. This is the first him, time he got caught doing it's, something. It's the first time he got caught doing something. By the state of Minnesota, he's only required to do two-thirds of his sentencing. Mm-hmm. So let me break that down a little bit for, for those who don't understand the difference between a sentence running consecutively and, and a sentence running concurrently. If the sentence was running consecutively, if he was found guilty on all of those charges, he would have to serve, say, the 20-year sentence for the second-degree murder, um, the, the five-year sentence for the, the manslaughter charge or the seven-year sentence for the manslaughter charge, whatever, back-to-back. So he would do the 20 years and then he would have to turn around and do the seven years so 27 years total mm-hmm. but because in the state of minnesota our sentencing runs concurrently if you convicted of more than one um crime if he got convicted of 25 years for the second uh, second degree murder and then seven years for the manslaughter charge he would just serve that 25 years for the second degree murder it wouldn't be mm-hmm. consecutively so it wouldn't be combined nope. right he would do it all together and that's that's important to understand and also, Christian was right. He's only required to serve two thirds of his sentence, and then he's eligible to be released. Mm-hmm. Now we don't we don't know if he's going to be released or not. He might have to serve his whole time. We don't know if he's going to get more in trouble once he's in there or whatever. But if he does everything he's supposed to do, he can be released with two thirds of that sentence. Yep. And if it's and it's it really depends on the judge mm-hmm. because if the judge is like fifteen years, and then you take two thirds off that fifteen. That's no time. It's not justice. So, I, I, and that's why I said it's it's definitely a step in the right direction. But until I hear the sentence and what those years are going to be, 
I don't feel as liberated right now. So let's keep it real um, for a second. This, so a lot of people are like, this is a huge win, a huge victory in the fight for racial justice and uh, you know, anti-police brutality and for people's rights, right? Black people's rights specifically, right? They're sick and tired of black people dying at the hands of police. That's what people are saying. Mm-hmm. Um, what is justice? If you go off the definition of justice, it's just behavior and fair treatment, equal treatment. So with this one conviction, are we going to turn around and treat every black person equal and just based off this one conviction? I mean, that's the definition of justice. If, if the answer to that question is no, then this is still not justice. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're right. And part of the reason I'm, I'm thinking about it, Micaiah Bryant in Ohio. That was after the verdict. We don't even have to go to Ohio. We can go to Brooklyn Center. Yeah, and Brooklyn Center. Dante Wright. Yeah. And and the reason I didn't bring up Dante Wright is because that was in the midst of the trial. So I, I was talking more mm-hmm. post-verdict if you were talking about justice. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go back into Dante as well. But if we're, if we're talking about justice post-verdict, like just look what happened in Ohio. That was post-verdict, and another cop shot a woman. Let's let's dive into this a bit. And you know, I don't like to spend too much time talking about police brutality because, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, folks, mm-hmm. we have a lot more issues going on in our community besides the police killing us. We killing each other. The education system killing us. The healthcare system is killing us. Our diets is killing us. Our environment is killing us. <laughs> well, we getting slaughtered at, at every different point in which way in society right now. Not just the police, but we rather focus our attention on that. So just to make that clear really quickly. But back to the Micaiah uh, Bryant situation. I got people out here running around. I got into an argument on Facebook. And I, and I very seldomly, <laughs> I make my posts on Facebook. I, I say what I feel on my heart and on my mind. I've always been that way. I'm not going to change that. I don't care if I'm running for office. I don't care what business I own. I don't care where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm a black man first, and I'm entitled to my opinions and my thoughts, period. But yesterday, I entertained the comments. I was going back and forth with some people, mm-hmm. and they kept blaming the parents. Oh, if the parents should have did this, and if Micaiah Parent did this and did that, if Adam Toledo's parents did this and did that, they wouldn't be dead. If people taught their kids how to be respectful to police and abide by the police rules and, and what they tell them, then they wouldn't be dead, right? If they would just be compliant and complicit, then they wouldn't be dead. She had a knife in her hand. She was going to murder these women. The police saved their lives. The police saved his life by killing her. And I almost lost my mind. Mm-hmm. I almost lost my mind because we can go back and we can research and, and go find these videos on YouTube and Twitter of white men slaughtering people in churches, schools, malls, nail shops with assault rifles, and they come out untouched. Now, give me a second here. They come out untouched after just murdering seven, eight people who didn't do anything to them. Point number one, the police, they de-escalate the situation, they disarm the person, they arrest them, they stand their day in court, they get their trial, due process. Mm -hmm. They are entitled to that, and that's what they get, right? Mm -hmm. Second point, I know you've seen these videos online, because they surface all the time. Everywhere. Of white men with hands on their guns, face-to-face with a police officer, defying police officers' orders, exercising their rights, 
the first and second amendments and fifth fifth amendment <laughs> um vocalizing their rights in the police officer's face with the firearm on their side now i'm not saying that person's a threat i believe in the second amendment don't misconstrue that i believe in the first amendment mm-hmm. don't misconstrue that i believe that as citizens of this country we're entitled to exercise our rights as we see fit as we see fit there are god-given rights unalienable rights that should not be suppressed by anyone but why me as a black man when i have a hoodie on and some skittles in arizona i'm being pursued by not even a police officer and you know who i'm talking about we all know who you're talking about not even a police officer i'm being pursued and racially profiled because i'm in a neighborhood that you don't think i should be in and all i got on is a hoodie some skittles in arizona going about my way and I die because of that. Or I'm playing in the park, a kid playing in the park with a BB gun, which most kids do. I did it. Airsoft wars. Mm-hmm. And the police roll up and they kill me before asking questions, before asking me to put the gun down, before just seeing what I had in my hand. You shoot first and then you ask questions later. Or I'm Dante Wright, I get pulled over. I'm talking peacefully to one cop being compliant about to put on the handcuffs and another police officer comes up on me. Another one comes up on the other side. We don't know what that police officer said to whispered into Dante Wright's ear. You saw the video. Yeah. We don't know what that police officer whispered into that man's ear. Cause you saw the reaction after that. Yeah. It was a fight or flight reaction. You saw that. And that's, that is any human reaction. The, the situation is, is, is disheartening, it's unnecessary, because that situation was tame and somewhat neutralized. And it wasn't until this officer pursuit that spooked him. And next thing you know, we're, we're talking about here, yet another black man's life lost. Didn't have a firearm. I don't care if he did run away from the cops. That's not the point. And that's the argument I got into with these people. It's like, you guys are missing the point. The point is... The police should not be the judge, the jury, and the executioner. If a person runs away from you, mm-hmm. then let them run. Go catch them. You don't have to shoot them in the back. You know which video I'm talking about there. Turned around and ran away from the cop. The cop jogged a little bit, pulled out his firearm, and shot him Kill in the shots. back multiple times. Kill shots. And, and, and that that is the worst part. You know, they are kill shots, chest, backs, heads. None of them are armed. Well, that cop cop in Ohio shot Miss Bryant four times in the chest. Four times. Four bullets in the chest. And you know what? I get this part of it. They don't teach you to shoot to neutralize in training. I get that, right? But they do teach you how to de-escalate a situation. Or they should. They do teach you about what's an actual threat and what's a perceived threat, or they should. They do teach you how to be vocal and to communicate. I heard a police officer tell me that's about 95% of the job is communicating. Where the communication coming in at for Miss Bryant? Where the communication coming in at for Mr. Wright? Where was the communication at for Mr. Floyd? Eric Garner, Tamir Rice. 
Isaac Sandra Andy. Bland. We can go on. We can go on. Where is the communication coming in at for those individuals? But we see them communicating with people who look like them. That's what I'm going to say about that. Yeah. And I mean, to go back, because for us in the ADOS community, we always think if the shoe was on the other foot, that is a death penalty. There is no due process. There is no trial. It is a guilty verdict automatically. However many accounts there is. Well, you saw how quick they convicted Muhammad Noor. It ain't take that much time. It didn't, it didn't <laughs> take long at all. And, and that, that is the problem. But then that goes back to how we opened up. The system is not for our ADOS community. And you know what's interesting? People always try to say, oh, it's not a race thing. I don't think it is a race thing because when that officer Muhammad Noor killed Justine Diamond, people were out there protesting. Mm -hmm. People were out there calling for justice. People who look like us calling for justice because it was police brutality. Right? But they don't acknowledge that side of the coin either. No. And I mean, honestly, a part of it does have something to do with race, but I always saw it as this. And yes, police is in, in uniform, and, and I get that. That is a completely different ballgame. But since the beginning of time, it's always been a black and white issue. Christian, let's talk about the history, and, and this may get me into some trouble. And if you could see my demeanor, and if you could tell, tell my demeanor the last couple of weeks, mm -hmm. I'm starting just to not care, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I'm to that point now. Let's talk about the history of police. Now, I've, I've, I've been someone who's vocalized that I am not pro-abolishment. I'm not pro-defund. I've actually challenged those groups to elaborate on their stance a bit and mm -hmm. to really discuss what it means to be a police abolitionist. Please elaborate on what it means to actually defund the Minneapolis Police Department and what that actually would look like on mm -hmm. paper, not theory. What would that look like in practice mm -hmm. in a city with hundreds of thousands of people and um, exacerbated crime rates, right? Auto thefts, homicides, armed robberies, yeah. domestic violence. Because I could go on. It's, it's happening with, with the police. And I think um, I, I I do have similar beliefs to you. Um, and, I, and I had people challenge me to this and say that education is a huge reason we need to educate more and we need to fix the system. And I remember telling my mentor and him and I go back and forth about this all the time. And I, I understand his perspective. But I told him like, there is a component in which if we were to take out this group and we're still operating how we're operating now, it's going to be a problem because I don't I don't think if we just take police, we're just magically going to get our act together. And I'm talking about the ADOS community out there because some of those homicides, some of those looting and thefts and stuff that reflects us. And it should got nothing to do us. with no police. Come on now, y'all. And, and that's just accountability piece. I'm I. I'm going to hold my community accountable because I've been robbed. My house has been broken into and I love my community. I got I, friends that have been shot. I've been robbed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I fight for my community and I love that, but it's like, we have to stop doing that too. And if we had reparations for some of these things that we're quote unquote fighting for, then I think it could. So I understand that perspective is if you take this and implement this, that it could work, but we have to don't just come with a suggestion but have a solution mm -hmm. because I do hear um, 
and I, and I have a lot of cool friends and I, I love them. I love them. And they like, we need to abolish, we need to defund. And I'm like, okay, that's the suggestion. I need to see the solution. I mm -hmm. need to see the outcome. You know, community ambassadors exist and they could neutralize stuff. The, the problem with the disconnect between police officers and the community is everything that the community is doing is things that police officers should be doing. I.e., if a police don't feel that if a police officer feels that they're not supposed to be a psychologist, they're not supposed to understand and observe different behaviors, then they're in the wrong field. If they don't understand that some community members are going to be a little hostile and you just have to calm them down because we don't know the condition. We have had cases, I, I believe it was up in Wisconsin, where we had children, black children with disabilities being killed and murdered by, by police. And it's, it's, it's I, I, just, I just say it's disheartening and it's, and it's so sad. Because we, police exist. This system we live in exists. It has existed. Why, why do they exist, though? I, I, I want to talk about the history part of police because we need to get to the basis of that to understand where we're at now. I'm a firm believer that we must understand our history to even acknowledge and to conceptualize the things that we're going in right now to this day. Why do police exist? Why did they exist? When was police first introduced into, into American society? After the Civil War. After the Civil War. We had watchmen back then, but their primary responsibility was observe, uh, you know, watching over property, um, riot control, protest control. People have been protesting since the beginning of this country. This, this, literally, this nation was birthed out of a, a large protest that was violent, by the way. Let's remind ourselves of that. A violent protest, right? America is founded on, on violence. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, that's the next point I want to get into into this podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, but the history of policing, as we know it, was formed after the Civil War. Slave patrols. That's, that gave birth to the American policing system. Mm -hmm. And what was the primary function of the slave patrols? It was to arrest newly freed slaves. I have to do the air quote to you all. Newly freed slaves for committing black law um, crimes. Call them black laws. Mm -hmm. Spitting on the ground. You can get arrested and get put back into slavery. Being outside after 7, 30, 8 o'clock. Whistling at white women. Whistling at a white woman can get you arrested and get you hung. Get you all these types of frivolous different crimes. And if you think I'm making this up, go look it up, people. Do your reading. Do your research. You got the, the greatest tool right here in, in your palm in your hands at all times. Instead of going on Twitter, why don't you go Google this? Google how the police, the American policing system was formed and introduced into our society. And then you would understand the underbelly of the beast. You would get that in your mind of why it's hard to reform a system like this. And like I said, this is going to get me in trouble because originally I never entertained the ideal of abolishment, never entertained the ideal of defunding, mm -hmm. but I'm learning. I'm, I'm open to learning more about it because it may be something to it. It may be something to it and not just a suggestion, but actual tangible things that we can do. 
Because how do you reform a system that was literally created to control people that look like me and you? That's a question I want all you all out there to ponder. How do you reform a system that was created to control that people that look like me? To arrest them for frivolous crimes, to put them back into slavery, to protect property, to suppress our rights. That's the history of policing in this country. What were the police when black men and black women were getting hung from trees? When we were getting, when we were getting castrated and getting branded like we're cattle. When people sending postcards around this country with black people hanging from trees or bar- barbecuing them. Yeah. That's where the term barbecue came from. Look this up, people. Do your research. The term barbecue came from getting black people rounded up together and they will burn us, literally burn our flesh. No remorse, no feeling, no emotion. That's the history of this country. That's the history of police. Where were they at when people were dropping bombs in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in the community of Greenwood? When people came into our community and robbed us and looted us? Where were they for the Rondo community? Where were they? Nowhere to be found. And this and this is the problem because you know there I'm I'm going to talk to the patriots here. And I'm going to talk to militants and I'm going to talk to people who fought respectively for the country. I get it. I love that you fought to protect this land and you fought to protect um, what, but what, what are you honestly protecting? I have a comment to make on that. I have multiple men in my family that served in the military. I attempted to. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I, I attempted I, to as I well. wasn't able to. Uh, my grandfather, 20 years in the army. Mm-hmm. My uncle, 25 years in the U.S. Navy. Um, tons of friends and family who served this nation proudly. Mm-hmm. I love America. Don't get, I don't want anyone to get that misconstrued. I love this country. My people helped build this country. I don't know any other place. I don't call myself African-American because I'm African without the heritage and American without the what? Without the privilege. Mm -hmm. I'm ADOS. I helped build this country. I love America. And I love it so much. What did our brother James Baldwin tell us? If we love something, if we love you, we must tell you when you're wrong. Paraphrasing, of course. I love this country so much, I insist on the right to perpetually tell it when it's wrong. I insist on that right. You saw the video of the lieutenant getting dragged out of his vehicle in uniform. This was like three weeks ago. The video footage came out like three weeks ago, a month ago, but this happened back in, I think, December. I I think it was in Texas. I'm sorry if I'm getting the location wrong. I believe it was Texas. Black man, a lieutenant in the Army, uniformed, had a uniform on and everything. I think that was Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. There you go, Virginia. That, That was Virginia. Yanked out of his vehicle. Why? A simple traffic stop. I think he, he, um, Maybe he might have been speeding or something like that. 
and it was dark on the road so he kept driving he turned on his blinkers flashers which i i, uh, I looked this up it's actually virginia law that you can do that if you're getting pulled over but it's in a dark secluded area mm-hmm. you could turn on your flashers indicating that you are intending on pulling over but you can pull into a well-lit area right so he wasn't in violation of the law mm-hmm. he was he turned on his, his flashers indicating hey I'm, i have every intention to pull over i'm looking for a well-lit area that's my right mm-hmm. right he pulled into a gas station turned the car off raised down his window the officers immediately become hostile at him they even had the nerve to ask him what his rake was because <laughs> they saw he had his uniform on and he's asking well can i speak to your commander can i speak to your captain you know who's the supervisor who's on charge right now I'm, I'm actively serving my country right now. I'm in uniform. You gonna make me get down out of my car and get on my knees? You gonna put my face in the pavement? They don't see uniforms. They see this. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit the mic, but they see this. This is what they see. It doesn't matter what we're wearing. I dress like this. They don't, they don't really see this. You dress like that in hoodie. They don't really see that. I'm in a grocery store. I literally have white people just walk in front of me. We we don't exist to them until we want to. And it's, and it's all selective. And, and, and that's what I'm saying. Because the, what you were going into is we have ADOS community members love fighting, protecting, and want to restore the corruption within the system that we live in. And I love people who serve our country. I love the country as well. But do we need to do better? Yes. How do we do better? That is the question. You know, I, I find it. I, I found it quite odd, and I didn't really. We we had a podcast about it, but we didn't elaborate on anything with it when mm-hmm. they were um, vandalizing and breaching Capitol grounds mm-hmm. in DC. And we really didn't, we spoke about it, we acknowledged it, because obviously it, it was news, but the way that they explained the people that was engaged in the behavior was just kind of mind-boggling to me. They didn't call them criminals, they didn't call them hoodlums, they didn't call them radicals, these were patriots. These were people defending the country and upholding our laws, exercising their First Amendment rights. Angry residents. Someone said angry residents. Angry citizens. That's that's what you hear. They're just upset. They're frustrated. It's all a peaceful protest. Stuff got destroyed. Stuff got looted. Stuff got... It, it, Important documents it got, got took. People, somebody kicked their they feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk, which I would love to do that, by the way, but <laughs> it's against the law. <laughs> yeah, but, but that what, but is what why, we're battling. I think what we honestly are battling, though, and I... And, you know, it's hard to talk about these things without including race. That's the reality part. I think we also as a nation need to get comfortable with that. It's a black and white issue. I'm just going to keep saying that. We, we, we have to get comfortable with talking about race in this country. And I don't hate anybody. I just want to be loved. I don't think as a black man, I'm superior to nobody on this earth. Foolish for me to think that way. I just want to be treated the same that everybody else is treated. I don't want to be treated any lesser. I don't want to be treated inferior. But in no way am I superior to anybody. God made us all equal. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to choose to be black when I came out. I just came out this way. You didn't get to choose to be white when you came out. You just came out that way. But we must get comfortable talking about race in this country. And I know who we ultimately are fighting against. 
is the media. You all are sick. <laughs> I was just you, about you, to get there. You all are sick. And I'm going to call it out for what it is. CNN, Fox News, Unicorn Riot, whatever. BuzzFeed. All of y'all are sick. And you're the reason why we continue to have these problems. Why? Because you profit off of it. George Floyd, y'all profited off of that. Dante Wright, y'all profit off of that. Mm-hmm. They had media at the funeral. <laughs> this mother, these friends, these siblings, Grieving. this family is going through a tragic loss of their son, of their brother, their friend, grandson. All these titles he had. They're grieving that loss. And y'all there taking pictures of the casket. Y'all there doing photo ops. Y'all there twisting narratives. Emphasizing black and white crimes in your media. I yeah, I was I was frustrated. Sick. Looking at, at some of these articles in the midst of, of Dante Wright losing his life. I saw an article. White former cop who killed black people released. Timing is terrible. Timing is terrible. And then and then more than the media, I think more than the media being sick is some of these people entertaining it as well. And also because capitalizing I read off of it. And capitalizing off of it too. Because I read, and some of these profiles are fake too. I'm just going to say that. I don't know who's controlling them. But I read comments all the time. I, they don't know I read. I don't like the post. I don't share it. I don't do nothing. I just read and observe. And I just look at some of these things that people are saying. And I, once again, am disgusted of how people try to, to marginalize lives being taken when they're black. How people say the most ridiculous thing for reaction. And I truly believe some of you guys believe it. You guys are sick. Because if it was your children, and it shouldn't take anything to happen to you. And this goes for the ADOS community too. It should not take anything for us to happen to our inner circles and our inner networks. For us to want to stand up and fight. Because... When when black lives are being taken, I'm marching and I'm advocating for that, too. Like we we can't be against each other. It can't be us against us and us against oppressors. I consistently say that because if we battle with that, this system is going to be this way for the rest of our lives, our children, children's lives, our children, children, children's lives. That's how it was intended to be. We we knew that when we read the Willie Lynch letter and, told, and he was teaching people how to control the minds of the slaves 500 years after the end of slavery. And it's all built off chattel slavery. How do we keep building a system? And then it, 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 it changes so much because everything we're doing is like, oh, wow. As technology advances, our outlook on how we control the black mind, the ADOS mind, we have to adapt to those things and how do we adapt we put media out there we put facades out there we see people flexing money and throwing money and stuff look like they're having a good time living the quote-unquote american dream right all of that stuff is capped 
It's theatrics. It's illusion. I hear a lot of people say we're living in a matrix, and I get it. And the reason I say that is because some people are looking at it from more of a conspiracy standpoint. But if we apply logic to it, this is how we're living in a matrix. We're all easily tracked through what? Numbers. Where we're born, we get a number. It's called a social security number. That number is with us. We need that number for anything we do. Anything of importance. Any Anything of importance, yes, we, we need that. But we can't do anything. Apply for a job. Social security. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Apartment. Apartment, social security. Car, social security. Wait, a cell Bank, phone. Social security. <laughs> cell phone, social security. And what I'm saying is... To some people, we are only viewed as numbers. That goes back to the branding of the cattle. We have, we we literally just have numbers on us. We're just viewed as numbers. We all still slaves, whether you white, black. If you ain't got it money or matter. power, you a slave. Right. And this is what I'm getting at because it's like, no matter how we look at it, we are all here. Like, there's been plenty of people who tried to wipe out communities. Germany, they tried to do it. Here they tried to do it. Italy. Yeah, (laughs) Italy. And everywhere has their problems. But what I'm getting at is we're better than this. We could be better than this. We want better than this. Are we really, though? And that's what I want the transition. And I think that was perfect that you just introduced it that way. That wasn't scripted, by the way. (laughs) It's perfect how you just mentioned that part of it. I don't know if we're better than this. Violence is... It's almost embedded, ingrained into the human DNA. Our entire existence. I'm going to say not has ADOS. Has been around violence. Not ADOS. I'm going to say that. Not ADOS. But it was learned. It was. It was Imagine when, when, when the first group of slaves came across the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. For chattel slavery. Slavery existed for, for pretty much since human civilization has yeah. been around. Everywhere around the world. We're talking well. about chattel slavery. Right. Which is slavery for the means of production, for capitalism, for profit. Mm-hmm. Chattel slavery. People were slaughtered because they fought back. People were forced to be packed inside of a, a slave ship like cans of sardines. Mm. <clears throat> Where they passed illnesses between each other and diseases. Where they defecated on each other. Where they threw up and vomited on each other. They were tossed overseas. Let's get graphic. Raped women? Raped. Men had their genitals chopped off. You understand what I'm saying? Violence. Violence. Let's talk more about physical violence. That's evident now. I just drew that picture for you. But also, let's talk about the other side of violence. The emotional violence being ripped apart from your child at birth. Mm. You were a slave. You gave birth to prove a point. The master took your son, took your daughter, shit them halfway across the damn country. Or throw them in the fire. Never if, seen them again. If they're mulatto, they're going in a fire. And it's it. And, and Separate you from your husband. Ship his ass halfway across the country. Never see him again. Violence for hundreds of years. We felt it, we experienced it, we endured it, 
And now we're perpetuating it. Violence. It's a part of the human DNA. Tell me it's not. Well, yeah, I, I agree, but I also disagree. And and this is what I was getting at. And I said not for ADOS. Because I think part of the reason why, quote unquote, and this this isn't me, but this is how the white lens see it, that we're so easily oppressed is because we allow, because we are not built this way. That is not our people. We're organizers. We, we are ambassadors. We love. It wasn't until Europeans came and did this stuff to us in which we saw that and we learned that. I don't know where it happened when we started doing it to each other. But when it started happening to us, that was an unsettling feeling for us. And this is why I say, because that was introduced to us unlawfully, unwilling, for no reason at all. I have to have some pushback on that. I, you need to. Historically speaking, tribes in Africa did engage in warfare with each other. Now, it wasn't for the same reasons that other groups engaged in warfare with each other. Mm -hmm. And the, the ramifications behind it weren't necessarily the same. But there was violence. I don't think people in, in, in these tribes are ravaging villages and, and waking, raping women and, and children um, and killing women and children. Certainly not. But they also enslaved other people. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that a lot of those tribes were bamboozled and hoodwinked into selling other people from different tribes into slavery in exchange for what? For weapons, gunpowder. For the resources. Resources to engage in what? Warfare. So I'm, I'm, I'm one of those types of individuals. I look at the history. I look mm -hmm. at the facts. And I form my opinion about it. Violence has been in every single aspect of the world. Wherever there's humans, at some point in time, mm -hmm. there was violence. Right. Name me one country that either gained independence, dominance of control over another oppressor, or peace without engaging in warfare, excluding Switzerland. <laughs> Name me one. India, war. China, war. Russia, war. Poland, Germany, war. Mm -hmm. America, war. South America, war. Canada, also war. They peaceful now. But in order to get that peace, they had to do what? Engage in warfare. Violence. Yeah, I'm, I mean, that that is everywhere. It is. And okay, maybe not in Antarctica. <laughs> Maybe that's another place. Well, we, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But yeah, every every place definitely have their issues. But to go back to the violence and the, and the resources, I think, and, and this is my lens on it, because this is where I disagree with you, and we have to have disagreements Absolutely. on the show. It's not Absolutely. a true ADOS. It was like, yeah, Christian, you're right all the time. Elijah, you're right. Absolutely. When you're wrong, I'm telling you you're wrong. Absolutely. I'm not telling you you're wrong, but I'm saying here's another piece to it. I believe that organizing was training to defend what we had. I don't think it was to intentionally oppress another community. And that's, a, that's hard for me to believe because if that was the case, we would have had a civil war between black and white people here in America. We have not had that because we 
are not attached to that. That is not our nature as people, as human beings. I don't even know if that's the nature of white people. I think there was there were some people, and I don't think mental health diagnostics were as popular. Well, no, I'm not going to say popular, but as um, identified as they are now. But people are sick. They're sick, Elijah. And to some of those sick people who just came and it's like, oh, wow, this, this, look, this, look at all these people peaceful. I believe that person was embraced. You had access to whatever you wanted here. You were able to stay here. And what they do, they observe, they write, they study. They leave, they come back. And the next thing you know, the rest is history. And and I think that just tells the nature. And I, I have another conspiracy. I believe us, the Ados folks, were everywhere. I believe we actually shared land here with the indigenous community. And my own conspiracy theory is that Europeans, Euro-Americans, Anglo-Saxons relocated back to Africa to try to assemble army to take over what we call America today. Hmm. And I mean, I don't know why I came to that consensus, but I just think about how related the ADOS community is to the indigenous community. It's lim- it's little to no disconnect within a community. Little to none. And part of the reason is because I think we share the land. I think we all had a common understanding. But I think there were some Euro-Americans who came here with the intention to conquer. They got their asses handed to them. And they had to go back to Africa and bring some more people over to take over this. And that's that's just conspiracy. I don't have any evidence to back it up. But I think I think a lot about different things. I hear stories. I listen. And that's probably going to get me in trouble with a lot of people, too. But it's fine. Like, I'm at a point right now where I'm kind of like you. I don't care. I care, but I don't care. Because it's, it's so exhausting having to care so much when other people don't. And that's why we find ourselves in these situations. And that's from the heart right there. That's how I feel at times. You know, I want to narrow in on one, on one thing you said. <clears throat> and, and you were speaking about certain individuals having that sick mentality, right? But a whole nation had it. It wasn't like, well, let's be honest here for a second. It wasn't like it was five people, 10 people, 50 people that said, let's enslave people. Let's rape their women. Let's sell their children. Let's force them to work from sunup to sundown. Let's feed them once a day. And if they disobey or they don't behave the way we want them to, then let's whip them. Let's cut off their arms, their hands, their feet. Make an example of them. Let's put collars on them, metal braces on their heads. I'll show you some of the images if you all want. If not, just go Google it. Antibellum South slaves. Just Google Antibellum South slavery, and you'll see these images I'm telling you about. It wasn't like it was just a handful of people. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. It was a whole entire nation that was behind it 
when are we going to talk about that piece of it? Everyone says, oh, it was the South, it was the North, it was this group, it was that group. The reality of it was, it was a whole entire nation behind it and supported it and benefited from it. It just looked different. And the only reason why we had the Civil War is because we need and we freed slaves and we made we eradicated the, the ratified the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments. Is because of what? We needed to cripple the South's economy. That's what that was about. They always seen us as money and profit. That's it. That's capital. And the strategy was to free the slaves in the South, knowing that that would cripple the Southern economy and force them to rejoin the Union. Because they had no resources at that point. We sucked them out of their economy. Their mass, produce, mass producers, which was us, slaves. That's what that was about. So even in the North, still perpetuated oppression against our people. They used us to bring back the South. And Lincoln said it. He said, if I can unify the Union, if I can save the Union by freeing some of the slaves, I would. Mm-hmm. If I could save the Union by freeing some of the slaves and keeping the other in bondage, I would. If I can preserve the Union by freeing none of the slaves, I would. What does that tell you? Paraphrasing, of course. What does that tell you? That tells me that the priority was not to free any slaves. The priority was not to uphold the rights of all humans. The priority was to what? To preserve the union by any means necessary. By any means necessary. So understand this. Us as ADOS, Mm -hmm. us as a group of people, we've been experiencing violence for 400 years in this country. Longer than that. And at a certain point, longer than that, and at a certain point, and now I have to bring this back up to modern times and why that history piece is relevant. It's relevant because we have experienced that passed down trauma, generational trauma, from this generation to that generation, from that generation to the next generation, and then we had the war on drugs. Mm-hmm. And then we had these policies in place that confined us to certain areas of the cities. Then we have technology. Called them, called them ghettos and, and, and projects. And then we were deprived of technology when everybody else was getting computers and, mm-hmm. and, and calculators and the cell phones. We still had that lack of access, so we were still behind. We desegregated our school systems, so we no longer were educating ourselves. I just got to keep it real. I got to keep it real. When we desegregated our school systems, the little bit of progress that we were able to make as a group, boom, out the window. Let's just keep it 100. When we were educating our kids and teaching them about our history and what it means to be a black male, a black woman living in America, we were doing much better. We weren't out robbing each other. We weren't out killing each other. We weren't out taking from each other. Not sure it was, you know, incidences here and there. That happens in every community, right? Mm-hmm. But certainly not on this scale that it's at now. No. And then once you desegregated our schools, took away our black professionals, our teachers, our doctors, our lawyers, we didn't have our own clinics anymore. We didn't have our own hospitals anymore. We saw examples of that, that we could do that in Greenwood. All that was burned down. We saw examples of it in Chicago. We saw examples of it in Harlem, in New York. Tulsa. Tulsa. We saw it. We saw that black people can come together as a community and really build economic systems. Mm -hmm. 
right? Educational systems. And then we set, we, we desegregated, right? And we were just tossed here, tossed there, tossed there. And we lost ownership. We lost ownership of everything. Even our own damn minds we yep. lost ownership we, of. We lost ownership of our minds. We lost ownership of curriculum. And this is why, and I'm, I mentioned it in one of our other podcasts, like we had to be careful what we were asking for. Because I always think, I'm like, wow, was the segregation of us having our own so bad? Because we didn't know what was happening within the white schools. And that's what I'm saying. It wasn't about the materialistic things that we have our own bathrooms. They have their own bathrooms. They have their own school. We have our own school. It was never about that. We wanted equity. equity. We wanted to be treated fairly. So we thought by merging these things, we were going to get the same treatment. We are not entitled or have that privilege. We never did, and we if, if we keep it up the way we're going, we never will. And that's why I say, like, we were all that, come on, let's, you know, let's desegregate all this. And now, right now, we're trying to figure out a way to resegregate and have black businesses. It's, it's like, what, come on now. Now we're working backwards, and, and we're, now we're, we're at a deficit. We're working backwards and at a, oh, sorry, and at a deficit. Working backwards at a deficit with limited resources was little capital where do we go mm. i'm gonna keep asking that question because we have to understand these where, things where, and did, the history where did is we important. go where did we go that's a great question where did we go that's that's something for for y'all to think about for all of us to think about and then we turned around and got slapped in the face by uncle nixon and uncle reagan <laughs> with the war on drugs we dealt with that for decades. The crack epidemic, gun control. Man, that was like a, 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 a that was a trifecta right there. If you really think about the war on drugs, it was a trifecta. You had people strung out on dope. Mm -hmm. You had people selling dope. You made it illegal to sell dope after you gave us the dope, and then once we sold the dope, y'all locked us up for selling the dope. Boom. And then the third the third piece of that is so. Hold on, let me recap. You gave <laughs> you you gave us the dope. We got hooked on the dope. Right. So we had people selling their kids. Mm -hmm. We had people out in the streets losing their homes, strung out on crack cocaine and heroin and everything else that y'all pushed in our communities. And then we turned around and pushed it for y'all in our community, <laughs> made a little bit of profit off of it after y'all gave it to it, sold it. Y'all made it illegal to sell it. Y'all took us to jail and imprisoned, incarcerated our men. After that, broke up the family home. So we had no more nuclear families anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Boom. Knocked us off there. And then with the war on drugs came what? Violence. You had people fighting over territory. You had people battling over blocks because we making money over here and we want to take your money. You taking away our customers. So it became an a, a illegal street business. So then we had black men killing other black men for the war on drugs to, be, to make a little bit of money. That's a trifecta. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile. Then you pushed social... social um, Welfare programs on us, the Section 8 voucher, Section 8 programs made us beg you for it. So you, you dehumanized us in the process. You gave us food stamps. You told us if we make over X amount of dollars, then we would not be eligible for those two things right there. So and we're, then limit. So and then limit the resources. Yeah, so then where's the incentive for me to want to go to college, for me to get a higher paying job? If I'm going to lose my benefits, there is no incentive. So I'm just going to stick here and make under $30,000 a year so I can collect my little uh, social welfare benefits. And now I'm complacent 
And then when I get older, I ain't got nothing to pass down to my kids. I ain't got nothing to pass down to my kids' kids. And they going to struggle just like I did. And, Goddamn. And, and not just struggle just like they did, but struggle in the moment with them. Because we're having children who are, who are in these situations, in these environments. Right now to this day. Right now to this day. And they are experiencing the same thing their parents are, are experiencing at the same level, which is crazy. And as you was going down a list, I was just saying, like, <laughs> meanwhile, we have a whole bunch of Geppettos pulling strings. You guys know what Geppetto is. It's Pinocchio. But we have people pulling strings. And they're entertained by this. People are entertained watching us struggle. People are entertained watching us trying to figure out. People are entertained watching us kill each other. It's all entertaining to some people. You know why I know they entertain about it? Because they don't say nothing about it. They, they don't watch say it. anything. We're Black Lives Matter right when we lost two brothers the same day we lost Dante Wright. Where they show up for them? Where they show up for that family at? What was Ben Crump at? With his the team of attorneys trying to fight for for justice for those two brothers that lost their lives. Yeah, that's accountability. That is you're 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 holding people accountable. We right? don't show up. We don't show up for them brothers. When my cousin was shot up in Chicago last summer, ain't nobody sent my auntie no roses. Ain't nobody asked if she needed help with the hospital bills or if they had insurance or start a GoFundMe. Or organizing the community and say we sick and tired of violence. Mm-hmm. Ain't nobody show up and do that. And and I know as of lately, over and I'm I'm gonna just date it back to the past year because that's actually when I started to see the transition of people being more proactive for and, and I'm not gonna say black on black, but when you know community our, violence. Community let's let's violence. call it community yeah. violence. Community violence. Over the past year, I've been seeing a lot of people start to organize, but I'm saying, where has this been at? It should not have taken George Floyd for us to say we as a community also have to get our stuff together. And the reason why is, and I'm going to say this again, because I really want this to be a part of y'all, our, our viewers and listeners, and we love you guys. If we continue to fight ourselves and fight oppressors, it will not work it doesn't work we need other outlets and another thing is just be careful what we ask for and i'm gonna leave it at that and i say we should leave it at that as well be careful what you ask for and i want y'all to really ponder that question of where have we gone we say we got justice with Derek chauvin going to jail or getting not even going to jail yet but being found guilty of all three charges but where have we gone as a community in the last 150 years since we've been freed from actual bondage physically? Where have we gone since the 1960s and the civil rights movement? Where have we gone with the election of Barack Obama to be the first black president? Where have we gone? Ados, ponder that question. Where have we gone? I think you'll be terrified when you come up with the answer. Because to me, it's really nowhere. It's the Ados Podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Norris. I'm your host, Christian. We love you guys. Stay we safe. We hope y'all follow our Instagram. 
We hope you all follow our Facebook at the ADOS Podcast. We are on Apple Music. We're on Spotify. We're on, where else we at? YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> we we all know the YouTube. place. Any major streaming platform that you all are on, I guarantee you we are there. Please give us a follow. Please give us a share. Leave a comment. Um, post some topics that you want us to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, reach out to us. We're pretty accessible. Just know that we're doing this because we love you guys. Um, I don't make these comments. I don't have these opinions to destroy my community. Christian and I love you guys, mm-hmm. but we have to hold you accountable. We have to hold ourselves accountable. Um, that's the only way that we're truly going to grow as a community. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Peace.